Hey guys, it's Ozzy here, and I am so excited to let you know that we are starting our new file, The Relationship File, all about relationships, relationship goals, the talking stage, love, and all that cuddly type stuff. I don't know. Um, but we have our first guest on today, and it is Heather Ikejani, who just so happens to be my cousin. She's a state attorney and an entrepreneur, and she talks to us about her experience navigating relationships as an ambitious woman, a woman who goes for what she wants and is just taking over the world but she also talks to us about the legalities of marriage which i thought was so cool and it makes you it makes you really think but we hope you guys enjoy it was an amazing episode and let us know what you think also share with your friends too we are growing so much and we just we love you so much and we want you to know that we appreciate you we see you and we hope you enjoy The You and I podcast promotes love, happiness, and abundance through storytelling and sisterhood. They encourage self-love, a balanced worth ethic, and a healthy life. This is Ozzy and Caro, and thank you so much for listening to the You and I podcast. So it's a scientific fact that black don't crack. We age a lot slower. I mean, we do crack. We but crack. Like, <laughs> we crack. It takes longer. It takes a lot longer. But I would like to. I mean, I'm not opposed to aging. Obviously, it's ine- it's inevitable. But I would like to help my skin look as fantastic as possible for as long as possible because that makes me happy. Guys, and it does. You guys, you can't see, but she. It does. It does. She looks glowing. Skin is popping. I know. Okay, but tell us about your story and what has led you to where you are now. So, like, career-wise? Yeah, or in general. I think in general it's better. Obviously, I'm, I'm Nigerian. Ozzy knows we're from the same family, so our family is very adamant on getting educated and um, getting as far as you can independently. I know that for a lot of other Nigerians, they really harp on getting married early, especially for women, and I appreciate that our family um, doesn't, I mean, they're adamant about it, but they don't harp on it as much. So I was able to really, really pursue my education. Um, I think that not having to fit into a mold when it comes to women helped me to just do a lot of things. I'm very, very proud of where I am and how independent that I, I am when it comes to my finances and my decisions and my career. And so um, just family upbringing and being able to go deep, deep, deep into school has me in a position where I feel like I can really reach for the stars and I can do any and everything that you know I can I put my mind I start decided I was going to do a startup maybe five years ago and I've been able to put things away to start building it out but I don't think that I would have been able to do that if I had kids or if I was pressured into getting married earlier or pressured into having kids earlier or pressured into not going as far as I did in school and that's really the gist of my of my life at the moment. (laughs) I guess growing off of that, when you were younger, what were your thoughts and experiences with relationships and how have they changed? This is a difficult question. So relationships romantically or relationships? So I had an idea of what relationships were romantically because of the way it was presented culturally. And it's different with Nigerians. It's different with 
black Americans is different with women in general that you are supposed to aspire to be in a relationship or aspire to be married and that's the beginning and ending of being a woman and so I think just the the package that's presented to you when you're younger is what I went into going into college and as you date and you go through school and you live college life and you really interact with people you you find out that the package they presented to you is not feasible in the real world and so um I'm trying to figure out how to say this without offending anybody that's probably going to listen later. Go off. Go off. <laughs> Speak your truth. The relationships are different. They're, they're priority for different reasons. Relationships play a role like your female relationships with women and friend groups, especially and with men and, and, and romantically. It just, it's not as pressing as people think that it is. Ro- the romantic aspect, there's other qualities, there's all the qualities in relationships like being able to communicate being able to share your feelings, being able to put someone else above yours that kind of seep into every other part of your life. So relationships are important, but they're not as important as they made it feel like when I was younger. As I got older, when I hit 30, I realized that, yeah, I mean, the idea of getting married and being with someone for the rest of your life is pivotal, but it's not the beginning and ending of you. And that's something that I'm very adamant about when I speak to women. It's not the beginning and ending of you to be in a relationship with someone else. It's the beginning and ending of you to be in a relationship with yourself. Do you think that relationships, you were talking about like the reasons, do you think one of the reasons that people misconstrue is that it's maybe for stability or for your your place in society? Yeah, for sure. And I think that it was, uh, it's, it was very prevalent in societies prior to ours or in times prior to ours because there was a limit to where women could go to. But we have long passed that in generations. We, I mean, we're just coming off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for goodness sakes, like there is literally no ceiling. And so to, to not recognize that there is, there is an expanse of places that women can go to and still hold on to the ideology that you need it to be sound in, in society is, is a fallacy. It's not something that's sustainable. So um, we just have to move past that. Look at the examples around you and figure out that women are going to the moon and back. And you want to shed off that thing that you are not important or you're not going to be grounded unless you have a man next to you you're going to be 10 times the version that you think that you are. And to be very frank with you, I have found when I've dated that there's a different caliber of men that come around when you can do for yourself. So don't limit to yourself to someone that's going to push you underneath them. Someone is going to want to protect you as a man should, but he's going to want to protect you 10 times harder when you are sitting at the top floor with him because you got there by yourself. This is a question about like relationships and self and like the actual process of a relationship. How long do you think the talking stage should be? Because this is like, it's talked about everywhere (laughs) and there's varying times. So I want to know what your thoughts were. So I want to define, I have a very specific understanding of dating and relationships. I don't think that talking for me is just like getting to know someone, like literally just having conversations. It doesn't come with any obligation. So it can go for as long as people want it to go to, as long as you understand that it doesn't come with any obligations. So if you want to talk to one person and you want to talk to four other people at the same time, that's fine because you're literally having conversations. So um, I think that it's you start putting time constraints or just putting structure when you get to the point that you're dating. And when you're dating is when you're only talking to that one person and that is it. 
So uh, it talking, you can talk for as long as you want to because it takes different people, different time periods to really get to know who they're speaking to. And then dating, I would be a little bit more cognizant of, I'm not going to sit here and date you for six years in hopes of getting married. If you don't know, personally, I feel like if you don't know within the first year, year and a half, I got to swerve because time, sir. Do you think it's important to kind of go into a relationship knowing that like I'm not even here for jokes, like I'm here in the goal of being married at a point? Um, yes and no. I think that it's important to go into anything with uh, the end goal in mind, but I don't think that you should pressure it. I don't think that you should force it. So talking about wanting to get married is your end goal on day two is going to cause you an issue. And then it's going to also make you desperate, to be completely honest with you. If you if you harp on it, it's people are going to take you for a ride. If there's anything about men as you get older, they will take you for the ride of your life, for jokes, for giggles, okay? So just... <laughs> You have a bigger goal in mind. Let's say, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I would like to get married eventually, and I like to get married in this time frame. But don't hold someone else to that time frame. Just keep it in your head. Look at their behavior. If it's not conducive to your end goal, then swerve. If it is conducive, then you know, realize that you're working with two independent people trying to get to a common goal, and you cannot control anybody else. You can barely control yourself. So just be easy on yourself. But yeah, having the goal is important. Having a strict guideline about it is going to get you in trouble. I guess building or going deeper into that, I just wanted to know, so would you not, cons- like, should people not just date for giggles? I don't know. There's a lot of people that just date for giggles, and I really don't understand that. So I guess what would you think would be the purpose of them dating for giggles versus, like, dating to actually build something? Like, is it just, like, they're filling the void because they're lonely or kind of how does that work? (laughs) Dating for giggles isn't something that you should do. You shouldn't date because you're lonely. I think that, I mean, there's aspects of dating as you get older. There's, like, different uh, uh, levels of it. So when you're younger and especially when you're in college, you don't really know what you want. We just come out with a preconceived notion that this is what we want, right? Because I, when I was twenty, when I was twenty, when I was coming into college, like my first and second year, I was adamant about getting married at twenty three. I can tell you now, hand on the Bible, had I gotten married at twenty three, I would be divorced at twenty nine. Facts. Because who I was, I swear. Because because who I was before is not who I am now. So it's important for you to date, not for giggles or to hurt somebody else's feelings or to take people like and take advantage of them or to go to dinner or stuff like that. But just to figure out what you can deal with and what you can't. You're living. You're coming from a household with your parents and like maybe your siblings. But those people, you have to deal with them. That's your family. Like That's not something that you chose. You're choosing these other people. So you realize that when you're dating someone that you don't really have to talk to every day, if something's getting on your nerves, you're gonna swerve. Because you, like, you, you can. If my parents get on my nerves, I'm not gonna swerve. Those are my parents. I gotta be around. So, so I take back the word giggles, but just dating to figure out what you want and what you can accept and what you are looking for. Sure. And as you get older and you have that foundation set, then you start dating people for real, for real. Like, these are the qualities that I like. He has them. Let me pay a little bit more attention to him because this other guy is not really doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that's how you progress. Actually, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. But um, actually going off of that, what do you think, what are your qualities? What qualities do you think are really important and are are necessary when looking for or not really looking for but when you're when you're in relationships and stuff like that 
for for me personally, my number one always is that we're on the same spiritual wavelength. Like we both have to believe in the same thing. So what I heard a pastor say this like years ago. He's like, a house can't stand if you're praying to do to do to two different gods. And for me, I just feel like that faith aspect is like foundational with everything else in my life. And so for, I would just prefer that we're both on the same page when it comes to that. And then second, and this is gonna sound super crazy, is financial stability. I do not play games. I'm not coming into somebody else's house for you to be having me split bills that I don't need to be splitting. I'm not your roommate. You're either, we're either going wifey route or you're, you're gonna be somebody's neighbor that has nothing to do with me. Um, someone that is honest with themselves and with me. I'm very, um, I'm the oldest of, of five. And so you have to tell me the truth. I think that lying is a waste of time. And then when I find out that you're lying, I've got to do all this other stuff in the background. I'm going to leave you. That's just, it is what it is. And then, um, so faith, finances, honesty, and then just someone who's willing to respect my position. My career is very, very important to me. My independence is very, very important to me. So being able to understand that I still need to live my life outside and that makes me who I am. I can never be a housewife. It's gonna turn me into something different. If you understand that, then we're, we're work. I feel like I'm not asking for too much. It's just, it's just big things that you have to really settle on, but it's just those four. Yeah. I feel like those are good for though. Those are, I feel like those are good. Those are good. How do you know when you found the one? Uh, <laughs> is this a good question for me? Because the okay, how can I frame this? From what you've seen, or maybe what you've learned, or you know, over over time, when I found someone that fits, um, when I'm able to trust them with just like different aspects of your personal life, when I'm able to say like, if someone says to me, I'm gonna take care of this, and I don't have to double back and check on it to make sure they're gonna take care of it is when I know that, okay, I can actually trust this person. And that's when I'm like, all right, let me take this person seriously. If I feel like I, I'm telling you something and you're giving me an answer and I'm looking at you like this is probably a lie, then I know that ain't it you. For well, advice for those who are single and think that they need to be dating to kind of figure it out, I guess, like, what advice would you give to those or who are single and, wait, are you single? I'm sorry. So would it just be advice for yourself? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind. I'm not gonna put it on the ready because I know someone's gonna listen to me and be like, "So I'm doing the thing where you're dating while you're talking, and you're talking to a bunch of people, and you're not really so." Okay. This is just can leave it that too. Okay. But um, <laughs> advice is to take the pressure off. You make things bigger when you're when you're like hounding on it. Things your life works in seasons. As, as much as we want to quicken things up, there's things that we learn and experience and there's things that are going to happen in the season that they're assigned to happen. So just be easy about it. You date people, you laugh, you have fun, and you focus on your life. And then whatever is supposed to be there is going to stay around and whatever is not supposed to be there is going to leave. So fighting it is futile. And that's my advice. You're going to be so much happier when you focus on yourself and just being like happy. We talked about this a little bit, but you were talking about how important it is for you to be independent. So I was wondering if you feel or have 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 had any experience where guys are intimidated by women who are independent and hardworking. And this is probably like a common gripe that you'll hear with women as they further in their careers. In the beginning, when you're in college, 
it's not really a thing. We're all like, oh, I'm a bio major. Oh, I'm a, you know, we're all majors. So everyone is like, yeah, that's fine. And they think that it's so cute that you're doing this, this, and this. And then you get into your career and, and it gets very, very strange. And I found that like, even I've had men who are in the same career field as me straight up tell me that someone's career has to take a hit if we're gonna end up together and it has to be mine. There's never been a comp, you know, I've had guys ask me to do something because they found that I'm an attorney and I say, hey, I don't have the time to. And all of a sudden you become sweetie. All right, sweetie, don't worry about it. I'm going to find somebody else. Like, you know, it gets very aggressive. <laughs> it gets very aggressive. So I say that if you're going to be independent, and that's something that I had to myself, if you're going to be independent, you need to guard that position of your spouse or your mate with your life because it's going to really determine at the end of the day when you get married and you have kids, you like to see it as um, an equal opportunity position, but it's the woman that's going to take that brunt to make sure that children are okay. And so if you if you're if you're protective of your career and you still have to take care of children, you know, if someone's not willing to step in to make sure that you're able to move away and take care of your career, it's going to be the end of it's going to be at the end of someone like me. I need it. I need to be able to pursue my own endeavors for the rest of my life. And so you just, but for sure, for sure, men get crazy. When you start getting up the ladder, especially when you're able to go toe-to-toe with them, it's almost like a, like, constant battle. I have to explain to people, I'm not in a fight with you. Like, I'm really just here doing my job. You, you can relax. It's okay. I'm going to still win, but it is what it is. For general advice, would it be if you find someone that's okay with the level you are at, find, like, the level you are at within, like, career-wise and your aspirations career-wise is that someone considered a keeper or would there be like a lot of other factors that kind of determines that as well um it's a personal it's a personal decision that you make so uh a mentor told me that if you meet someone and you see that you want to be with this person you have to ask yourself if this person was the same person that they are now forever would i be okay Right. And so if foundationally they're okay with your career, they're okay with stepping in, they're okay with being emotionally supportive and being communicative and being financially independent. Yeah, we all have an idea of what we would like as we grow older, people to progress. But if they're if you see this person and the qualities that you bring they bring to you the table right now are fantastic for you, even if you see that they can be better and you're stable there, then work on that. Because people are gonna change. But you never want to, um, you never want to see someone and like them and think that I'm just going to mold them into what I would like for them to be. So that's my advice. If you're gonna, um, if you see qualities and you're okay with these qualities, and you're, you're if today on January first, so and so day that you would marry this person, then go for it. Work on that and grow together. Um, the topic of growing together. I kind of saw this question on the internet last night because during my late night strolls someone asked this lady if they should buy a house with uh their significant other and she replied with you buy your house he buys his house and you both (laughs) have your own house and she says she has three houses and a commercial property like you do yourself and like he does him and then you guys just kind of build or like combine somewhere in between so what would be your take on buying a house with your partner or in some way at some point like because I know like marriage a lot of people try to like blend their funds together what is your take on 
I am very far left <laughs> when it comes to I so I'm an attorney. I work in family law. I see a lot of nonsense all the time. However, I have seen families work on both ends. Of the, I have I know families that husband and wife have they've never even seen each other's finances, but they are vacations every two months. They're they figured out how to balance their life, and that's just them. And then I've seen families where they are completely intertwined and they work as well but I've also seen on both sides where it doesn't work so it just it depends on like what your end goal is and your spouse I would prefer to have some sort of properties before I get married just because I know how marital assets work and I'm not arguing with you about stuff that I paid for okay so um, I, I'm, I have things put away because I know that if I get married it's still gonna be mine regardless of what happens going on in that marriage but if you feel like that you don't ever believe that you're going to get to that get to that point or you're not the type of person that works in a preventative way then buy your house your house with your spouse i mean it's as long as you understand the consequences or how things will go if and if you happen to go down the road of divorce it's up to you everything works differently depending on people's personalities that's why you can never look at anybody else's relationship and say Oh, this is who I want to be with because they're lying to you. You don't know them. <laughs> That's actually such a, I always forget the legalities of marriage. I don't know why, but I feel like it's such a huge aspect. Mm -hmm. There's so many rules that people forget about, but just a fun fact, if you purchase anything in your name um, before you get married and you get married, it belongs to you no matter what. So everything after them, everything by the time you get married, even if it's in your name, it is subject to... I yeah, guess. so if you buy anything before you get married, it's yours. If you sell it and you use the money to buy something in the marriage, if the money came from someplace before the marriage, it's still yours. If you get married, everything after that belongs to both of you. Every I don't thing. like that. I really, I, like I really don't either. like that. Every single thing. I mean, I understand. Like, I understand. I really don't. Yeah, like I get it. I mean, marriage is, you know, it's the, you know, the union of two, so yeah. it makes sense. They, I mean, the they want to make sure. And you know, they, the rules came it from when. Doesn't make any sense. The rules I mean, came from when women were not as able to go and get their own money. So the point was, if a man would leave you, you had the right to take that money back to protect yourself. To keep, like, that's where the rules came from. But then things started happening in 2000 and somethings, and now it's looking shaky when someone's asking you for spousal support, and I'm a woman. Like, I'm not giving you anything. Go to the farm and farm. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit, but why do you feel, or why do you think parents pester kids to get married like what what is the reason <laughs> I think in theory it's because they want their their children to be settled they want them to be you know uh, have a home for themselves and have someone that they're gonna walk hand in hand with for the rest of their life but I personally believe that a lot of people see it as some sort of uh, accolade for themselves when their children are married off whether or not their children are ready to be married off or if their children want to be married off. So I can understand what the theoretical ideal is behind it, but all in all, to me, it's stupid. You get married when you want to get married and when you're ready to get married. It doesn't help anybody to get married when you are not stable. 
how well you already touched on it you already said that one to two years and then you're out but how long should the time between engagement and marriage be well I guess dating engagement and marriage like just set them each up um I like to see one to two years dating but that's if you're actually looking and you see things that are uh um, qualifications that you are see are necessary to get married. So if everything is going as planned, then it should be one to two years. But it, we know that life happens. Um, I think that people forget after engagement. Engagement is not dating part two. Engagement is we have decided to get married and we are taking as long as it takes to plan the wedding and then we're going to end the engagement. There's no reason why people should be engaged for three years. He's playing you for a fool, auntie. <laughs> Just... <laughs> He's you for a- I've seen people engage for like 10 years and I'm like very I'm like- rubbish behavior it's very rubbish behavior that is not what that is your engagement is for you to engage in planning a wedding and then you go and marry and you go and live your life so I'm not telling any however long it takes you guys to plan that wedding and everyone's finances are different everyone's venues you know wait times sure but just remember engagement is not, is not dating part two and then you go and get married. That's it. It should not take the, the entirety of your life to be able to move from engagement to wedding. If you don't plan to be married within the next one to two years, should you even be dating? Um, it depends on why you don't plan to be married. So if you feel like you cannot entertain a relationship because of something that's going on in your life, then it's not fair for you to date. Or if you are going to date, you need to be very clear with the person that you're dating. Hey, this is, we're not doing anything serious. I'm not, you know, we're, I just want someone to hang out with. You also have, like, you need to consider the other person's feelings. So figure out why you don't want to date and then move forward that way. All right. So then to my question, I don't know if you remembered it, but I was asking about friendships and how to kind of cultivate friendships of people who support you and you support them. I actually get this question a lot, a lot. Like, I think I got it twice yesterday and a couple of times the week before. Yeah. So it took me a very, very, very long time because I didn't realize the um, the magnitude of friendships between women. For whatever reason, we're taught to fight with other girls and, you know, be competitive with other girls. But it you get older and you realize that the stuff that you really need to talk about... Um, you can't talk about with your parents. You're not going to talk about with the guy. You know, you don't really talk about with your siblings and you need to cultivate those relationships. But it took me a very, very, very long time to find a group of women that are supportive and independent. It's something that you have to be intentional about. When you're in college, you kind of just befriend whoever is around you. If you guys are in the same classes, if you happen to be in the same dorm, it's the same way with in high school too because you guys are just in the same classes all the time. We live in the same neighborhood. You don't really have the same priorities. But when you get older when you hit um, out of college or into grad schools or whatever professional schools, you really have to take the time to figure out the people that you're talking to. And so um, to you asked the part of that question earlier. Um, I had to really, really look. And it happened for me when I, when I first got into law school, like in 2015 is when I really started picking, you know. So I have like one or two friends from high school and elementary school, and then the rest of my friends are from the later part of my life because they just have the qualities, those fully developed qualities that you look for and that you need in relationships that are just platonic for you to be able to have successful ones. 
The reason why this is on my heart, I love you, Kara. <laughs> Kara's my best friend, but you know, Kara, I love you. But, um, you know, I went to boarding school in Nigeria and we were there for, I think, five years all by ourselves in that, like, <laughs> those rooms. And I love them, but I feel like I'm not putting my all into them. And I feel as if, I don't know, I want to, but I don't even know how to start. Do I call, text people? Like, how does that even happen? How do you begin that cultivation, if that makes sense? Um, You just ask. What we used to do, my good girlfriends, I think that one of them started with just like, hey, I like uh, your outfit. Where did you get it from? I'm going shopping so-and-so day. Do you want to come? And then we kind of just like bonded over that and it developed into something else. And then another one of my friends, I was at, really at a pool party and she was like, What's your name? I'm I'm Nigerian too. I just moved here. Do you want to go to like brunch? I'm big on food. I can eat for the rest of my life. Um, and so we we bonded on commonalities. And you as you talk to people, you expand into other things that you guys have in common. What kind of you know morals or life goals that you guys share? And it kind of gradually. Um, it's but it's also like dating. It's just something that you shouldn't force. It's it's important. I think it's a bigger priority, longer term than actively seeking out well everyone i'm not going to say that they have equal priority because they just play different roles in your life but it's the same thing as dating don't force it have casual conversations find out what you guys are interested in that are common nallies between the both of you and develop on that and if it doesn't work don't be afraid to be like hey girl you're cool but you're kind of toxic and i gotta move around oh that was a really hard one for me to notice so i guess when you have toxic friends around you What's a good way to kind of exit the relationship? Because if you can ask Ozzy, I literally dwindled in a relationship for way too long and I did not know how to pull the plug. I just stopped talking to them and just hoped that they would go away. It didn't work. <laughs> well, I think for it depends on the degree. If it's toxic, you're going to have to cut it off like you would cut a boyfriend off. Like, I tell this to my little sister all the time. You guys send a message or get a phone call and be like, hey guys, I don't like that this keeps happening. It's at my at this point it's costing me my peace. That's too much of a cost and I'm gonna have to I still love you as a person, I'm still gonna support you, but I gotta do it from over there. And that's the end of it. But if it's just like you guys are just not getting along over a small things, it's it's fine to be like, I can't come this time because I'm busy or I can't make it here and eventually it'll naturally just forge away from one another. But if the person is really causing you stress, then send a text message, get on the phone, you know, be a woman about yours and just be like, hey, can't do this anymore, too much drama. For me, one thing I will not stand with is drama. If you're causing me stress and drama, I'm gonna call you and be like, hey girl, every time we go outside, it's a problem, I'm not going outside with you anymore, good luck. And that's it. <laughs> it was the good luck for me. That, I'm gonna wish you the best, always. Wish you the best, always, sis, bye. Like, you just gotta, Life is too short. This will drag on forever. No time. No time. I'm so passive aggressive. I try. I actually tried a lot of the things that you said, even to the point where she invited me to a concert and I said, no, I can't go. And then I ended up going to the concert and she saw me at the concert. Yeah, I mean, don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> Uh, it was rough. I honestly, because I didn't, I was not planning on going to this concert. I did not have tickets, but I got invited by somebody that had an extra ticket last minute. And I said, sure, why not? So that's something fair to say. If she sees you, I'm like, hey, oh, I didn't intend to go at that time. Somebody invited me last minute and I randomly changed my mind. 
But that's something that you have the right to do because you're an autonomous human being that does not have to give your explanation for your actions to anybody else. So that's fine. They got to take it. And hopefully that's a big enough hint to be like, all right, this girl doesn't want to hang out with me. Let me move around. No, they're friendships. They're not like, they're not tied to you for the rest of your life. All right. So I want to move into more reflection questions or kind of more so future with the whole 2020, it's been crazy, but what would you say have been maybe like the biggest lessons you've learned over this year? Patience. I had a, a plan for this year, especially with business, and I was adamant about sticking to it. And then this year was this year. So really realizing that if I want something to work, it's okay to plan. And if it doesn't, you just have the patience to pivot. It's important for you to be able to figure out what you're going to do. And if it doesn't work out, do something else. That's my biggest lesson anyway. And then kind of looking forward, what are you hoping to maybe accomplish or what are you hoping to focus on in this last, I don't even know how many more months. Two months. Two Two months. months. That's crazy. Two months and then in 2021. That's crazy to say. I know. This is a a long year. But I, I will say that this year wasn't, we had terrible statistics. We had terrible things happen this year. But I've also learned to see the silver lining and the silver lining just turned into a sun for me. Like I feel like this year was bad, but it wasn't as awful as it could have been. And I took a lot of blessings out of the year. So that's my view into 2021. And I've honestly just decided that it's just going to be 2021. There's no plans for 2020. I'm taking trips. We're going on vacations and we're going on holidays and we're through with the year. I've had enough. 2021, we're going to focus on um, the business and my career and hopefully who I'm dating pans out. We'll see. And that's it. I'm not putting too much structure or rubric in it. Of course, you've got goals. You put them on the goal board. You pray about it and you move forward. But I cannot come and kill myself. That is a theme for 2020 and 2021. I actually had a quick question about um, aesthetic valley. Is it aesthetic valley? Just want to make sure. Okay. How did you know you wanted to venture off in that field and then how are you able to manage working as an attorney which i'm sure is very time consuming with aesthetic valley um it's a passion so they do tell you that if you if you love something that it it doesn't not feel like work but it feels less like work than what your regular work would feel like so i'm i'm blessed that i love to be an attorney and i like this i really love this venture so i'm able to put them um together and just go it's not easy. I'm pulling like 75, 80 hours a week, really, you know, getting things done because I have to. And this is, But it's a little bit easier because I can see the end goal and it's something that I enjoy. That's how I ended up in that field. It's very actually, <laughs> should I say this on air? Well, I had a dream about it. <laughs> That's actually where I saw the business idea. I randomly, when I was like 22, went to sleep. I saw the entire website in the dream. And I was like, okay, cool. And I let it sit there for a while, and then it just kind of just developed as I got older. I had I had lipo um, when I was twenty five or twenty six, and the process of finding a doctor and talking to them in the United States was a pain, and it like it was stress, a point of stress. It shouldn't have been that difficult, and so I took everything that I felt like would be easier and put it together, and said, I wonder if anybody else would find this useful. And as I talked to people, they would call and ask me questions, and I had the answers because I had done all the work. You know, and it just made it easier. It helped them. They were more secure with making their decisions. They knew where to look. They knew where to reference. I said, okay, finally put this together and um, make it public. And it just worked. 
Um, building. Sorry, going off of that, how was the startup process? Uh, so you do the, the, the normal things, you uh, write out a business plan, you write out your end goals, you do research into the market, you figure out what your actual target market is, you see how they're reacting to other things that are similar in that field. It was a little bit different for me because there's nothing that's similar. This is like just the, the it's never been done here. And so I had to kind of figure out different pieces of aesthetic medicine and kind of uh, predict how people would react. And then I started talking to investors. I started bringing, pulling in money to build out um, uh, the platform and all the technology that goes behind it, interviewing developers and stuff. The biggest stress of my life was finding a developer because I paid someone a lot of money and found out that that's not what they did. So it's, it was very much trial and error to be able to get things done. But it's just, it, there's no clear path to it. There's no rubric. You try and do all the foundational things as well. I mean, to set yourself up to success, and then it's very much whatever gets thrown at you, you figure out how to fix it, and you pivot. And that's startup. That's business in general. All of it. Mm -hmm. And this is, Carrie, if you don't have any more questions, this could be our last question, but if you could tell your younger self anything, which is a really cliche question that I, I think about it, what would it be? To calm the hell down. What <laughs> would be to calm down? I was such a, and I mentioned it earlier, I was so adamant about having everything go a specific way when I was younger that I really like almost diverted my life into being something that it shouldn't have been. I was in a relationship with someone for like seven years, adamant that I was going to marry this person. In reality, I could not have married this person. They were awful, you know, like, or, or, or getting into school and putting in your head that you had to do science because everybody else is doing science. When I can barely read a bio book, it hurts to read bio in a book it's painful for me and so <laughs> if I would just like relax and not be so hard on myself I probably would have gotten to this point a lot sooner I don't regret the journey though because I feel like everything that I experience I'm able to talk to other women and have conversations and I can genuinely tell you the answer because I've been there and I would never give that up for the world but my advice for myself at specifically 16 17 18 is to calm the hell down it's fine you're gonna be great it's fantastic Honestly, I feel like that's where I am right now, where I'm starting to panic. Kara, we talked about this in other yes, episodes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I am, honestly, I think I'm really getting, like, anxiety and just being so anxious and constantly thinking about what I'm doing in this life. And I need to remember that I'm literally 20. Like, <laughs> you know, I have a long, you know, there's it's just life ahead of me. I've, really, I've barely done anything. I feel like I've barely done anything, but, you know, I just got to remember that God's plan is, you know, the best plan, so... That's where I am right now. You guys are early on in your, yeah. your, you know, like 19 and 20 is, and it's normal to feel that anxiety because you're literally moving into one space into the next. That freedom that came with going into college had me drunk in the head. And so I really had to settle myself into being an adult. It's fine to get that, but you'll find your footing. It's not life or death. People, this age, even into your 30s are the time where you make mistakes. If you're in your 50s making mistakes, okay, sure. All right, maybe you should calm down. But at this time, do I mean, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, take your lessons, don't ignore them, and keep moving. You're going to be fine. Yeah, because I remember I called Ozzy a couple of days ago panicking. I said, uh, in high school, we spent like three years there and we were figuring out where we're going to college. Shouldn't we be, should we be figuring out where we want to live after college now? Like, am I not doing something? No. 
Not at all. You figure out figure out the big general things like I want to do this, and then that's it. I like I didn't know. I literally made the decision to move to Houston because they offered me money to go to school. They offered me the most, and then I went there. And I realized when I got to Houston that I actually I grew up in Miami. I hated Miami. I hated Florida. But if you would have asked me then, I would have been living in Florida my, the rest of my life. Miami is very is a very foolish place. And so it wasn't for my personality. So don't make like don't make the minute decisions. Make the big general ones. Like I want to be a doctor, or I want to work in this career field, and then you move forward. That it gives you the opportunity to absorb all these experiences because you're gonna find at 25 and 26 and 27, you are nowhere close to what you were at 19 and 20. You're not gonna think the same things. You're not gonna probably speak the same way or like the same things. So you have to give yourself life, you know, life experience space. I feel like that's a good point to end. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and taking time out of your day. You're literally in the office and thank you so much. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. This was fun. We should do this again. I feel like we should do this again and focus more on your career. Oh, yes. Cool. As soon as it launches, I want to be back so I can talk to you guys through it because I feel like aesthetic medicine is one of those places that people start wrong and it goes really, really badly very early. So... I would love to talk about that as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.